everybody. This is Andy Marquette. I am joined by my colleague, Joe Bell. We are Women in Words, where we talk about things that happened on the Women in Words blog for the week. And we, you know, goof off and go off on tangents. And, you know, it just gets crazy stupid up here sometimes. All right, Joe, how are you? Uh, I'm good, colleague Andy Marquette. Yay! Give a story. Uh, yeah, of course I do. Um, yeah, so... Uh, so many stories. My world is very, very busy, and I didn't really, you know, think about what I was going to share this morning because oh, okay. we can I'm, come back. If well, you no, think about we can come back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we can come back to it, Joe. Can, can we circle back to this? Yeah, um, <laughs> that reminds me of a completely different time in my life. Anyway, um, it's <laughs> February. We didn't have snow at all all winter until, you know now when it's almost spring and today I had a class today class scheduled for today class is canceled um all the like the city transportation is shut down it looks like it looks like Christmas it's a winter wonderland out here yeah really yeah it's 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 very white where apparently there's this thing called a polar vortex I I don't know about these things but it made yeah, Jesse Chandler wear pants and um what? Yeah, there, she posted a thing on on wow. Instagram or Facebook. I don't know. I didn't see it. Tara did, and you know, I Jesse and I are kindred souls in that in that we both always wear shorts, like always. And uh, I have been wearing pants for this will be day four. <gasps> so that's yeah. some coldness going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, it always amazes me when I realize that I'm cold <laughs> because you know I haven't been cold in years <laughs> because you know <laughs> menopause Hormones. yeah Hormones. yeah mm. and you know like the kids look at me like I'm insane like what happened to your legs like they just are so confused that's pretty they're pretty amazing my kids so um yeah <laughs> <sighs> I'm uh, remodeling my bathroom did I tell you about this yes we had a little chat but friends let us talk about Joe remodeling her bathroom. I'm very excited about it. I I sweated copper I, for remodeling's the first time. great. Yeah, I just you know it do it, it. It makes me feel very. And here's the thing, dear listener. I have been in like this massive months long depressive funk where I haven't wanted to leave the house or go anywhere or do anything. All I wanted to do is just literally just sit in one place like a snail. Like I've been very I'm very out of sorts. I've been having a rough rough winter. And uh, I finally have this energy where I want to do things. And, you know, I, I attribute that to the fact that Tara bought me a lathe. And I've been very fascinated by the lathe spinning around and around and around. <laughs> so now my brain is spinning around and around and around. And I'm doing all these projects. So I sweated copper for the first time, which if y'all don't know what that is, copper pipes have to be soldered. And it's called sweating mm-hmm. copper. I don't know why it's called sweating copper. Maybe because it gets hot. Maybe because if there's water in it. Oh, you know what it is? The flux. When it, the flux gets hot, it like bubbles. It looks like it's sweating. Maybe that's There you why. go. Maybe that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, my copper, just for those of you who are artists and concerned about this, not pretty. Doesn't look good. But it doesn't leak. So <laughs> I'm happy. Uh, no, by the way, you were right. That's why it's called sweating is because it sweats as it heats up. Did you look it up? I did. I just I made did. that shit up. Wow. I'm feeling mm-hmm. good right now. Woo! Joe so, gets points, you all. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm super smart. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, and I built a, I 
built a, a set in, you know, custom cabinet for my wall and it's it's in and I did the first coat of paint, which is this awesome, like uh, bright greenish thing. I don't know how to explain it. Maybe I'll post a picture at some point. And then today I'm going to do some sheetrock because I'm going to do the bathroom. And, you know, I may even start on tile. I'm going to do the bathroom. I'm going to do the shower. That's what I meant to say. That wall has been missing. Whatever. Yeah, that's probably you need to do that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to, I've got all these plans. I'm very excited. <clears throat> I'm very excited. I'm feeling energized, dear listener. And that is important. It's very important because, you know, all of us, there's probably been bunches of us who have hit funks like that and just, you know. Yeah. Well, have, it happens. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I've talked fairly regularly about the fact that I'm highly medicated. <laughs> I take a lot of, <laughs> lot of, lot of antidepressants and, you know, they don't really do a very good job for making sure I'm not depressed, but they do a really, really good job of making sure I'm not angry as fuck all the time. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to call, I call it a win. <laughs> so. I yes. Don't... Well, you know. When you're feeling really irritable and angry, that can be a sign of depression. I get that way when I'm having some issues with my depression. Dear listeners, I'm sure I've told you this, but I do deal with chronic depression as well. And I always know that when I start feeling really irritable, frustrated, and angry, I do like my check-in. Okay, am I tired? Am I hungry? And if it's none of those things, I'm like, fuck, I'm probably depressed. (laughs) And then I'll check in with my, like... You know, I'll check in with other people and I'll be like, this happened at work today or whatever. And it made me feel this way. Is that a legitimate reaction to what happened at work? And my friends will say, well, you might be overreacting. <laughs> or they'll say, mm, no, that sounds like a legitimate reaction. So I ki- I'm constantly having to learn because depression skews your reactions and it gives you these weird ass filters. So you see things in ways that maybe aren't really true so i have to check in and constantly like understand where the bar is for what is an appropriate reaction an appropriate way to feel and what is like maybe blowing things out of proportion yeah that's totally legit i mean my my thing is i feel literally like you know i've got these angry ants marching around inside my skin just below the surface and it's a very physiological thing Mm -hmm. like i am ready to claw someone's eyes out for absolutely no reason. I'm very miserable to live with when I'm like that. And the uh, the magical Zoloft keeps that from happening. I don't feel like that when I take it. So, yeah, I call have it you, a, Have I, you always had that? Have you always had that? Um, no. I mean, yes, but no. Yes. I, I, I'm thinking about it, yes, but but I didn't realize it. Mm, yeah, see. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I know when I'm getting really frustrated and angry, that's probably, and it's not me being tired or hungry, then it's probably I might need to like sit down and have a check in. Yeah, I um, It started in my like early 20s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ugh. what are you going to do? I know I treat mine as just kind of like this thing that I have to deal with. And yeah. I just learn, you know, methods to do it. I was on antidepressants for years. Mm-hmm. And shit ton of therapy, which helped me get the tools to deal with it. And then I started doing things like acupuncture and, um, my, you know, 
regulate trying to regulate without medication because I I do not do well on medications. I'm one of those people who I just have a really hard time with almost any kind of medication, even if it's just antibiotics. Mm-hmm. So I decided, well, let me just try to do this with, you know, and incorporate the tools and check in with the therapist as needed. And we'll see how I, how I do. And the acupuncture, and I'm also on, you know, some herbs that help regulate right now the hormone stuff, mm-hmm. which is fucking pain in the ass. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But I managed to, like, yeah, I managed to manage much better than I had been on the meds. The meds helped me, like, do the therapy and unpack a bunch of shit. And then with my tools, I am now able to better learn about myself without the meds. And, you know, the meds saved my life. I'm not discounting meds. The meds mm-hmm. and the therapy saved my life. But, yeah, I understand that sometimes you just can't quite get at what you need to get at with some of the meds. I went through like three before I found one that worked. Yeah, I just figure that it's, you know, it's like brushing your teeth every, you know, mm-hmm. it's so just something that you got to do to keep yourself. Yeah, to, to, well, totally. to keep all the teeth in your head. That's, that's, yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's essentially the same because I'm pretty sure Dara would have knocked all mine out. So. <laughs> I just wish this country would con- treat mental you know, depression and mental, other mental illnesses, like legit medical problems that, you know, you manage, you learn to manage, like you Mm -hmm. do a physiological or a physical illness. Right. Because all of us who deal with this, this is lifelong for most Mm -hmm. of us. Well, I don't know, maybe it is, but for me it is, it's a lifelong thing that I have to be aware of. And, you know, you just, I just treat it as something that I have to do. And there you go. And fortunately for me, Mine is no longer as really bad as it was. I mean, I was really bad in my 20s. It was it was pretty pretty fucked up. But now I feel like I have a handle on things. Am I perfect? Fuck no. You know, I'm kind of cranky and shitty sometimes, but you know, maybe that's I'd rather be that than, you know, wanting to jump out a window. Right? Me too. I don't like windows. Although um, I've never been suicidal at all. My anger is always focused out, <laughs> not in. <laughs> I am, I am homicidal, not suicidal. So, that's... well, I now I'm more homicidal. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you know, you look around at the stupid, and I'm just like, I I just don't have fucking time yeah. to deal with this, and so I don't know my. You know, being having dealing with chronic depression, it it shapes you in ways that I don't really understand. But um, it has not diminished my creativity, and actually, I do much better creatively when I'm treating it and when I'm you know working with it and understanding it than when I just ignore it and it piles up on top of me. So yeah, that's because you're healthy, like you know, health-ish. Let's go. That's. <laughs> It's, you don't have to deny it, Andy. I can be jealous and still be supportive. It's all right. <laughs> Healthy-ish, Joe. I don't think any of us are ever 100% healthy. We all make mistakes and fuck up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I've been uh, working on writing projects, by the way. That is awesome news. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's exactly what you said. I think it's largely attributed to the fact that I am participating in my own mental well-being a little more actively 
it makes a difference. At least it does for me. Yeah. So, um, you yeah. know, I know there are people who think, oh, I can't write unless I'm depressed because I draw from the pain. And, you know, I tried that, friends, and it's bullshit. <laughs> Oh, I, it's, I mean, yes, harness some of your pain because that can make for a good story, but you know, it wears you fucking down to the point where your depression just kind of stops you from writing period or creating whatever it is you're working on. Just, it just stops you and you go, you get into a funk and you can't do shit. So yeah. anyway, not cool. I, I, I am not of that school of thought. Um, I work much better creatively when I'm working with and understanding my depression than when I'm like just telling it to override me and and write painful shit. Yeah, when I'm <clears throat> when I'm in a, a depressive funk, I can't write at all. My creativity gets because I don't want to. I don't. I may have mentioned this before. I'm emotionally deficient. I, like I don't know how to deal with my <laughs> own emotions, let alone anyone else's, and. Um, I don't want to delve into them. I don't want to, you know, explore the deeper meaning of them. I just want them to go the fuck away. That's all I mm -hmm. want. So I'm not mm -hmm. going to write about them. That just seems ridiculous. Mm -hmm. <sighs> and some people process through writing, but those people, I think, are the ones that are handling their stuff in a healthy way and trying to, like, figure out what What, what are you saying? I'm not healthy? Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that I have written shit when I was deeply, deeply depressed, and it is fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, is that it's a litany of shit. Uh, shitney. <laughs> so it's like, it's, I just, for me, I create better when I'm, when I'm really, like, working with it and not trying to bury it. Yeah, that so, makes sense. I don't know. Other people may have different perspectives and that's fine go you but for me that's how best how it works so yeah anyway that's why i'm glad i decided to get treatment i am glad for you thank you yay and i am glad that your funky your funkiness is diminishing a little yeah me too me fucking too Woo! now you're creating in the bathroom wow could you never say that again <laughs> please oh my god i just spit all over my keyboard hold on you guys <laughs> hold on shit okay wait wait i'm wiping it off on my wonder woman sweatshirt sorry wonder woman oh my god hey wonder woman is there to help you in all sorts of situations but i'm glad you're creating somewhere how about that me too <laughs> Most... oh my god <sighs> okay uh-huh okay are we done talking yes i think we are <laughs> I don't All think right, we have friends. any choice in the matter. Let's move right. the fuck on. All right, friends. Thanks for joining us on that really strange segue. Now let's get into <laughs> the meat of everything. Okay. On February 2nd, Ann Edder joined us for Reader's Perspective, and she has a really delicious photo here of ice cream. I love ice cream. Oh, my God. I can't eat ice cream, but I look at it, and I think that looks so good. You know what is a really, really good, healthy, satisfying alternative? Hmm. Um, outshine bars. Oh yeah, for real. What's it made out of? Uh, fruit. Like my my favorite is the coconut. So it's made out of like. Oh got, yes, I know what you're talking about. So okay, fucking good. And the coconut ones are creamy and delicious without being dairy. Okay, I'm gonna check it out. Tara's I, favorite I are grape. 
I'm, I'm more a coconut gal, so. Yeah. The pineapple ones are really good, too. They have actual, like, chunks of pineapple in it. It's really, mm. really, really good. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Okay, friends. So for if you're like me and can't deal with a lot of dairy, dun, 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 then that's for you. Yeah, for reals. All right. You can get so, them at the and, Costco. Oh, for, oh my God. I'm going to go. I'm going there today, actually. I'll check it out. Yeah, do it. <clears throat> All right. So Anne loves ice cream. Me too. And says that apparently she came by this love genetically because her dad loves ice cream. And she just loves her ice cream. And she's also a big fan of romance novels. <laughs> I'm like, Anne, okay. I love how you went there. Okay. Uh, she likes all kinds of romance novels. Um, romance is her number one, always there for me genre. And she's going to share a few of her favorites that she doesn't think she's mentioned before. Do and they include ice cream? <laughs> apparently not. I don't understand why she got that. But wait, I'm looking. Okay, but whatever. It's because she loves this one thing, and then she also loves romance novels. Me too. And she lists here, um, Listen by Chris Bryant. That's out of... And the thing that the theme that I noticed in these romance novels that she has there is that there's like a difficult issue or a difficult character. So they're not, you know, like happy, happy, joy, joy. Everybody falls in love. It takes a minute, you know? Yeah. So, right? So Chris Bryant's Listen is... You know, it's a developing relationship with one character who is, like, really frustrating, but kind of then sometimes she's not, then she's frustrating, like, people in real life. So I haven't read this one by Chris. I'm going to have to read it. I like difficult characters. I I do, too. Yeah, right? I mean, I think they're interesting, and they do seem more real life because everybody has difficult things or is difficult in certain ways. Yeah, I feel like um, difficult characters remind me a tremendous amount of like literally all the women in my on my mother's side of the family. You know, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have like my mom and then four aunts. Uh, yeah, four, and all all five of those women are just were they're all dead, but one now. Just these tremendous forces of nature who are angry and cantankerous and loving and kind and you know just the kind of people who enter a room and flip your world upside down because they're there just mm -hmm. by sheer yeah. force of nature yeah so that's I why like characters like that too me too yeah. so difficult characters okay. love them well here's another one lynn gardner's born out of wedlock and Anne says that Addison in this born out of wedlock book seems like an ice queen, but she's more distant than that. And she's unapologetically angry. Her development as a character and the development of her relationship with Joanna have stuck with me since I read it. It's one of those books that just doesn't leave you alone after you finish it. So I have not read this one and now I want to. Um, yeah, I don't, I have no, I know I haven't read it either. I'm, interested the title is very interesting to me same same um, because it's like it's a throwback to a very like heteronormative mm -hmm. you know relationship dynamics that i don't think we embrace nearly as much now so it's interesting it is interesting so we'll have to check that one out mm -hmm. um the next one is lola keely's the Music in the Mirror, and Anne says right here, it's difficult. It's a difficult book um, because it goes into the nastiness that can exist in professional performance-level dance, 
and there's abuse of pain medication and significant amounts of drinking. So, but that sounds realistic because I've heard stories about people who were engaged in professional dance and this is ballet that, you know, that goes on. I mean, it's painful. It's physically taxing on your body. And if you saw that movie Black Swan, I mean, it's fucking brutal back there like behind the world of professional dance. I, I did not see Black Swan. I know I, that probably makes me a really bad lesbian. Mm-mm. But no. But anyway, I mean, this sounds really interesting. Again, it sounds like something that not a whole lot of romance in, in the female-female genre deals with as much. Mm-hmm. So I like to see stories like that where you're like, you know, dealing with a slice of what could be happening. Mm-hmm. And then she finishes out with Sia Frizzell's night voice cool. and she says that it doesn't this one doesn't sound like it's got a difficult character but the setting is provincetown but the central the the main character's voice and character bring her back to this book again and again so it's a reread for her and i have not read this one either so damn it now i have more books to read ah and oh, anyway Friends, um, Anne says, what are some of your favorites? And to post them in the comments because everybody loves to have their book list updated all the time. Yes, and everybody loves to have new reading recommendations all the time. All the time, right? Just saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you, Anne. We love you. Yes, we do. All right, February 3rd, we had a Q&A. And this was with author Chris Zett. Have you met her? Do you know who she is? Not in person. I have not. But Joe, please carry on. Oh no, I I she's she, I met her through um, Jay actually um, hmm. at the at the GCLS in Chicago. And God, she's delightful. So smart. Um, she, I think I'm trying to remember. I think she's a pulmonologist. Oh my God! For real. Yeah, um, a German one. Wow. I mean, I don't know what the German equivalent is, <laughs> but um, I think I think pulmonologist, maybe kinesiologist. I don't know, some sort of doctor that does fancy things. I don't know. Okay. Um, but just super, super, super nice. Um, I had lunch with her one day. Her and oh, Karen Whirlinger and Jay and I. I don't know where you were. You obviously weren't there. But it was lovely. It was really nice. It was a good time. Who the hell knows where I was? I mean, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I go to those conferences and just, I don't know, I'm all over the map. But yeah. damn it, I wish I could have met her in person. Yeah, Maybe she's, she's just super, super. I, You know, I love people who are deep and they're mm-hmm. perfectly mm-hmm. willing to let you discover that on their own rather than just trying to appear like they're more than they are. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like... She's there's clearly an awful lot going on there. Super, but she's just very, very humble and kind and total respect, man. Love you. I don't even know you. Yeah, you right. would you would really like her. Cool. Yeah. So Chris Zett Z E T T friends and yeah. um, in this Q and A, she thinks of herself as a storyteller and she is. Um, promoting her latest, this is her latest, right? And pulmonology joke, the book is Irregular Heartbeat. So maybe that is. <laughs> that is what it, 
that you know? sounds that sounds <laughs> that like sounds maybe legit. I got that right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a medical lesbian romance. It was published uh, by Ilva. And the audiobook is also out. Yay. Congrats, Chris. Yeah, massive congratulations, Chris. Um, there was also a giveaway. I, I've, I've been forgetting to say that. Y'all, we do book giveaways on Women In Words all the freaking time. So when mm-hmm. you get that notification in your inbox, check it and see if we're doing a giveaway. Because, oh, my God, free books. Who doesn't want a free book? Uh, I can't think of a single person. I Exactly. Well, I'm just some saying. people don't read, and so they think books are evil. But those people are dumb. Those people just, man, they need some help. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So <laughs> I just said um, those people are dumb. That's probably not nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Okay. It's dumb not to read. The people aren't dumb. How's that? <laughs> oh no, the, those people are dumb. <laughs> okay, I'm committed. <laughs> All right. So Chris says she works a day job that involves different shifts. So I'm guessing doctor of some kind and doesn't care about weekends or holidays. She has, uh, she don't, does not have a regular time to write. So she tries to schedule writing on her days off or do a little writing after an early shift. And she doesn't plan anything after a 24 hour shift. What? As this is a sure way to attract work in the middle of the night and to lose sleep. Maybe she's an emergency medical doctor. She has a a focus that's not trauma. I I would have remembered trauma because that sounds very traumatic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm sorry, Chris, that I don't remember exactly. But I do remember the person and how lovely and delightful and, and kind she was, which is what I... I'm more interested in, frankly. Well, I like this story. The question is, friends, tell us something that most people don't know about you, unless you'd have to kill us. And she says, I once smuggled nine bottles of vodka on a two-day train ride from Russia to Germany. I almost got (laughs) caught in Belarus and nearly shat my pants. I still own one of these bottles 20 years later to remind me to never be so stupid again. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Be careful. Be careful what you smuggle, friends. Just, Just tip. I'm going to say, as a general rule, don't smuggle anything. Like, that just seems like one of those, like, given things that you should just know. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. Youth. I, I knew. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, um, when I was young, I used to stop for hitchhikers. I used to do, you know. Mm, I know, but that was the 70s. It wasn't no, in- that was the early 90s. Come on, I was driving. Oh, Jesus, God. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, my God, we used to pick up hitchhikers in the 70s and 80s, and I have actually hitchhiked, but that was back in the 80s. And now you wouldn't even, fuck, I would not even go near a road to do that. This, oh, this- I wouldn't do it anymore. Right. I wouldn't. But- <clears throat> yes, back in the day, dear listener, I'm old. Okay, there you go. I'm just letting you know. Um <laughs> Anywho, um, Irregular Heartbeat is her first novel, and her second is under, is she's working on it. It's tentatively titled Heart Failure. Dun, dun, dun. So let's look for more medical-style romances from Chris. Yes. Yes, please. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. That was, that was fun. I like that. I, I, I really like her. I seriously want to hear more about that vodka smuggling (laughs) just saying okay um all right wait what what the hell happened is this right february 5th 
Yeah. I don't know. Okay, February 5th, Anika Batson joined us. Yay! Yay! Oh my God. So, Anika is, um, she's a student, and she's doing some studenting stuff. I don't know if I want to tell you too much about what she's up to, because maybe she would rather tell you that. But Anika is... Um, did a great blog here, kind of like along the lines of what Katie Williamson does. And I just love it when people drop fucking wisdom on me like this. So here's Anika's point. The blog is performing blackness. And she says, it's Black History Month. That means it's the perfect time to write about how racism is a hell of a thing. <laughs> While I totally believe that calling people out or alternatively calling people in is a decent way of getting others to re-examine their problematic behavior. I also feel we fail to recognize those same toxic attitudes within our own social groups. And Katie has brought this up in the past, but Anika's going to like really bring it up again. She says, I hear a lot about racism in white people, but very little about black people examining those same internalized behaviors within themselves and their communities. As a young activist, I'm learning that racism is really fucked up in the sense that it affects everyone in one way or another without even realizing it. This is where things like white privilege and, quote, black people don't do that come from. Without us noticing, blackness suddenly became this performance something we not only had to wake up every day and do, but also something so precious and with so much value that having it metaphorically revoked can spark deep emotion within us. So when she was in high school, she says, I went out of my way to not be perceived as a stereotypically loud, aggressive black woman, despite the fact that I was all of these things. <laughs> my behavior stemmed from friends and family telling me I didn't behave blackly. I didn't watch black TV or listen to black music. I also failed to conform to black hyperfemininity. My mother desperately wanted me to be like the girls in my class. And so she didn't, and she wasn't. So her behavior thus was less than black, which meant it was white. She was behaving whitely. And Katie blogged about this last week about, you know, perceptions of what being black means and in among black people and among white people and how somehow not being quote unquote or behaving quote unquote black makes you acceptable in, in ways that the dominant culture wants you to be accepted in. So I'm really glad Anika brought this up because it is something that Katie has, has talked about quite a bit and it's something that I've been reading. I've been reading a lot of um, books by sociologists and um, black activists trying to educate myself and, thinking about how race, you know, basically race is like an ocean and we are all, or racism, and we are all swimming in that ocean. And it's going to affect all of us in different ways. Yeah. I think that's really, really interesting too. Like I haven't given a whole lot of thought to the the pervasiveness of, of that type of language. Like, you know, you're not, you don't act black enough or black people don't do that. You know, I, because I, those are the kind of jokes I make about, you know, being a lesbian, like, oh, I failed at lesbian today. I think it's funny. Like, but is it really funny? Like, you know, and my black friends joke about it. Like, you know, black people don't go camping, Jerry, or Jove. <laughs> things, things like that. Or, you know, it's, it's just, <laughs> but right, right. I, I don't know. Now I feel like I need to do some self-reflection and figure out whether or not I have been mm -hmm. shortchanging my friends you know in a way that's really inappropriate i feel bad now thanks for 
for uh, bringing this up. It is interesting, you know, because I had an interesting exchange on Facebook a while back, and I was talking about doing, you know, not wanting to do something that involved, like, you know, basically kind of, I don't remember, something like, you know, fixing something, because I just, I don't have the time, people. I mean, I really don't. I mean, there's one of me in this big house, and I just don't have the time. So, so somebody kind of was joking on Facebook with me about how I lost my butch card. Oh, because you couldn't fix it yourself? I mean, I could fix it myself. I just didn't fucking want to, you know? Yeah. That was the thing. I just didn't want to. And so I, I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know, what does that even mean? I mean, I don't, that's an identity that I do not subscribe to, nor do I subscribe to a femme identity, if that's what we're, where we're going. I'm just me. And so I got to thinking about that, like, here we are policing each other in the lesbian community, like you're saying. And I'm like, I know it's kind of meant to be funny, haha, you know, but again, is it really? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad. <laughs> Because I don't I- identify as either butch or femme. It's like I'm, I'm just me. I've, you know, over the years I've called myself fetch. I'm fetch because I'm, I'm both, but neither, yeah. exclusively. You know, and I don't subscribe to. I don't the roles that I guess I'm supposed to fall into as either or. They're just not me. And I know there are people who do use those identities, and that's great if that's you. That's not me. So I don't know. I felt like a little weird about that. I'm like, what do you mean lost my butch card? I mean, I can do it. I just don't want to. Yeah. Well, and I think this is also really important. Like where you come from makes a huge difference in how you approach, you Mm -hmm. know, things like that as an adult. I come from a place that's very poor, very white and, you know, straight out of the trailer park trash, right? That's Mm -hmm. how I grew up. And things either stay broken or you figure out a way to fix them. That's the only option in that world. And so I went through a very, very long period of time in my adult life where I would be damned if I would fix anything. I know how to fix stuff, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I would make a point to pay somebody else because, and mathematically it made more sense. I mean, frankly, my time, I was, you know, it, it made more sense for me to pay someone else their fee than it did for me to sacrifice the time I could have been spending making money. Right. But, but it, it was not, it didn't have anything to do with math. It didn't have anything to do with finance. It had everything to do with me trying to get as far away from that part of my um, identity as I possibly Mm -hmm. could. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's really, that's really interesting. I wonder where, you know, what exactly that comment meant to the other person and why it affects you the way that it does, probably because you're questioning whether or not you should pay somebody because you do know how to do it. But frankly, if you want to pay somebody, pay somebody. It, well, the, and the, that's the issue is that I actually do have some money and I can pay somebody, mm-hmm. you know, if I didn't, then I would fucking fix it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just how it is. I mean, you know, but I, you know, I don't know. It was just, it's something that too, that my entire life, it seems it's, I have never identified as butch or femme. So even though, and um, actually that is a really great segue back into Anika's post is that um, she's not quite sure when change happened, but eventually it did. For a long time, I was this really smart black girl who spoke properly and read Game of Thrones, and then suddenly I wasn't anymore. If I had to guess when my mindset shifted, and by properly it means speaking whitely. Yes. So about 
when I was 15 or 16, around this time, I began to care less about how blackly I was being perceived and more about how gaily I was being perceived because that's about the time when An- Anika realized, you know, she's she's not of the heterosexual variety. So <laughs> the grand reveal that I was problematic didn't happen until long after I stopped behaving like that. No one ever told me I was obnoxious and full of self-hatred. I had to figure that out myself. I think people thought it was okay to have me acting a whole fool because I was smart and there was a lot of fear about me not making it because I was black. There is a really old mindset that being smart comes second to being black unless you're willing to conform, which I obviously was. I think people thought that it doesn't matter how smart, rich, or successful you are if you're black while doing it. In a way, they're correct. The first thing anyone will ever notice about me is that I am black, whether they mean to or not. Racism is still going on. There's no guarantee it won't affect me. So blackness is a, as a performance is chosen for us as the only thing we'll ever be. And it was somehow okay for her to sacrifice her blackness for success as though you can only pick one. Mm-hmm. And therein lies another thing about systemic racism is that we put, there are all these expectations on people based on race, which by the way, race is like, an arbitrary category, mm-hmm. anthropologically and biologically speaking, there is not really that much difference between us. I mean, you will find more variety among white people in terms, if you look at at the like mitochondrial DNA and the DNA in general, you'll find more diversity among white people than you do between a white person and a black person. In sure. other words, it's bullshit, you guys. It's a construct and it's weaponized. And that's why we see we swim in a sea of racism. This is the truth. So she says, Anika says, I understand, or or she says, I believe if change is ever going to happen, we need to allow children of color to perform as loudly or as quietly as they please and see them less as people who need conformity and more as children who have the right to self-expression. Fuck yes. I absolutely wholeheartedly support this. Yeah, I kind of adore the way she put it, too. Like, the, and it, it, it doesn't just apply to race, although, you know, yes, racism is a thing, bias is a thing, because as white people, we're more comfortable saying we, we're biased than, than right, that we have right. bias, than we are racist. But, you know, it all right. boils down to the same thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, good insight. Really. And, well, she points out, Joe, what we were just talking about. As a gay woman, I have witnessed homophobia in the LGBT community. Sometimes I'll look at myself and wonder if I look gay enough, if I act gay enough. Mm -hmm. Then I go, yes, yes, I am gay enough. Yes, I am black enough. There is no one right way to perform blackness or queerness or femininity or masculinity or anything else. My black card isn't revoked because I like white people things, in quotes. We need to talk about internalization, recognize the monster within ourselves before we can fight against it. Yeah. Bam! Mic drop, words of wisdom. Thank you. Yeah. I have been schooled, and I so appreciate it. Yeah, so you know what I see is one of the the really awesome, like, things that is maybe helping us culturally, like, because middle America, white America, needs more exposure, period, right? Because, you know, we're stupid. But um, <laughs> well, we are. But then you see, like... You see, like, um, the it's success true. of Black Panther, and, you know, it was a, a primarily black ensemble cast, which is amazing, and you had all of these women who were just fierce and proud and, and just mm-hmm. incredibly, mm-hmm. incredibly powerful. Like, that is what you want 
you know, any woman to be portrayed as. And then they're walking around and they have, you know, their hair is just natural. They haven't put enough chemicals on it to, to you know, straighten it or curl it in different ways. They haven't got, they didn't get weaves. You know what I mean? Like there's all of these. Right, right, right. It's just, it was so, like they were just completely owning everything about them. And it was sexy and just amazing and wonderful. And there was this deeply steeped what we would consider visually to be black culture but it was mm-hmm. all but it was at the same time it was incredibly advanced technologically and i loved that blend that idea that mm-hmm. you know the mm-hmm. two can go together which is something that i think is a society we resist so yeah i think stuff like mm-hmm. that helps we're seeing more and more stuff like that representation freaking matters fuck yes uh, anika thank you so much Thank you. Oh, my God. This was awesome. Yeah, really. <laughs> Just as an aside, Anika contacted me on Tumblr. We chat a lot on Tumblr. And she goes, um, is it okay if my blog like is kind of long? Uh, yeah. And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I said, well, I mean, as long as you're not going on 5,000, 10,000 words, you know. Like, it, well, you know, as long as it's still compelling. Right. <laughs> Which it is. Like, Whatever. Don't worry about it. We're pretty mellow about that. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway. Thanks for thanks for hooking us up. That was this really good conversation. Thanks, Anika. Oh, Thank you, you know too. what I just realized? Remember Shit, that what? conversation we had about how to pronounce her name? And we had that whole debate about Anika and Annika. And I said, well, everybody I know with this name, is it's pronounced Annika. I totally gave her the white version of her name. Anika, we are so fucking sorry. God, I suck. <laughs> and But you know what? You know why... I am on, uh, first I went Anika and then I was like, Annika because of Anakin Skywalker. Oh, that's cool. That's where my brain went. I just, all the, all the, um, all the people I know with that spelling are white and pronounce it Annika. So I clearly just, you know, assigned, you know. There you go, you owned it and we fixed it. You corrected it. But I feel bad. Well, just, you know, she... Let me know on Tumblr, and here it's we are. It's all good, yeah. It's all you good. Are, you are just the right amount of person, Anika. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you are all the right amounts of, of queer Everything. and all the right amounts of white, of black and all the right, right amounts of just every goddamn Everything. thing on the planet. Yep. Every goddamn thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, friends. February 6th, Carson Tate stopped by to remind everybody that Klexicon is coming. Yeah, you're Dun- going. Uh, I am so going, and y'all can just nanny nanny boo boo come and find me if you guys go anyway it's uh the first week of april and carson will be doing um she's on a couple panels i believe and i know i'm pretty sure bold strokes books will be there on site which is cool because this is Clexicon's third year in in the united states and more and more um female female publishers are going Mm -hmm. so i think there's gonna be five or six there on site so yay so anyway y'all um yeah, Carson says Bold Strokes will have a booth in the vendor room. Eight of the authors are attending. M.B. Austin, Georgia Beers, Chris Bryant, Melissa Braden, Layden Michaels, Ellie Spencer, Barbara Ann Wright, and, of course, Carson. And they'll Very be participating cool. on panels like Strong Women in LGBTQ Fiction, Romance Between the Book Covers, and Marketing and Selling Lesbian Fiction. So, y'all, if you can go to Clexcon, I you know, even just once... This is something that you should, everybody should do just once, just to like see 6,000 
queer ladies and allies in a room. I mean, you just kind of have to see it to believe it. So do it. Yeah. Go gay. Go gay. <laughs> Even if it's just for a day. <laughs> um, hopefully, oh hopefully you do it well enough to want to go gay for a, for a lot longer than that. <laughs> All right. well, Carson, I will see you at Clexicon. All right. February 7th, R.G. Emanuel has a guilty secret, friends. She loves long, hot showers. Oh, yeah. That is a guilty secret. Do you like the, do you do that joke? Oh, do you, yeah, do but you, I feel so bad it. about it because, you know, the water shortage crisis, like, there are people who don't have clean water at all, and I'm, That's you know. That's what she says. Yeah. That's what she says here. Like, oh, I love my long, hot showers, and then she's like, I hate that I love long hot showers because there are people who don't even have water. Right. You know, don't have hot water or very little water, you know. So, and she she talks about all the things that she does, you know, recycling, reusing, and and she's pretty good about that. But yeah, I, I feel guilty too when I stand in the shower too long. Mm -hmm. Like, like I'm, Yeah. Or when you do something really decadent, like let it run long enough to warm up instead of just using whatever water is available because, you know, the fact that water is available is amazing. Or like the fact that we have, um, you know, our toilets work with water. Like we take perfectly good water and, you know, crap it. Make it dirty. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, you know, like when you think about these things, like on a very real global level it's horrifying but yeah we still do it we still do it i mm-hmm. i like to talk about putting in a composting toilet because that makes me feel like a good activist and and uh a healthy hippie granola bar but in reality <laughs> i can't see that working in my world i want it to i want to be that cool and i don't think i am i was i read a really interesting piece a while back um and it, it was about the water crisis in Cape Town, South Africa. And yeah. it's like, it's, it's for real, friends. They are literally running out of water. And this person who wrote this, um, I think he was a journalist, but I can't remember. And he said he was in Cape Town and he witnessed this really interesting phenomenon because, you know, apparently Cape Town, like a lot of South Africa, because of its history, is a very stratified society still. You know, you, you have the wealthy people most often white, you know, Mm. at the top and, you know, kind of isolating themselves in, you know, communities. And then you have like the people of color below that who are, you know, different communities. But he said that one of the things that the water crisis was doing was like making it almost a competition to see who could conserve water the best. Like he said, it became like this equalizer, this weird equalizer that, you know, even white people were like talking about all the things they were doing to conserve water the best. Nice. Like, and it, it was like really kind of strange. He said, because a a lot of people were like bragging about, you know, how long they would leave, say, you know, their bathroom business to sit before they would flush you know, to build up basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, it's like, this is the kind of shortage we're dealing with friends. I mean, it's like that. So 
I don't know. I just found that really interesting and in how among some communities it, it brought people together because they would all go to meet at like, you know, used to be, well, let's gather at the water cooler and talk about the football game. Now they gather at like, you know, the spigot or where there's available water and they all stand in line to get some water in their buckets. And it like kind of builds community mm-hmm. that way, but it can also build tensions because people will fight over, over scarce resources. So it, it's interesting to think about, you know, I, I think about that anyway, because I come from an anthropology and a history background. And also because I've seen the, um, the road warrior movies way too many times, <laughs> but people fight over scarce resources. Yeah. Hello tank girl. Yeah. Oh my God. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's, I totally envision, especially with climate change and resources, yeah, things, the shifts that are going to happen. I don't know, Joe. I think it's going to get kind of scary, but I'm also hoping that people pull together in communities too. Yeah, me too. But people are stupid, so we'll see. People suck. I know, yeah. right? Mm. Yep. Anyway, thanks, RG, for, and also, RG, just, you know, it's okay to have a shower, really. It will, everyone else appreciates it. Mm hmm. But, you have True. to admit that Americans are oh, we're the worst. We're so decadent about showering. Like, do we really? I mean, I think yes, because people smell funny. But do we really <laughs> need to shower every day, twice a day, whatever? Like, do we really need to do those things? I don't think we no. do, but we're going no. to because we're Americans. Yeah. No, and I, I skip everyone. I'll skip like every week, one or two days, usually just one, and then. But I try to limit my showers to like three minutes. How do you even do that? I'm kind of awesome and I have short hair. I don't know. Oh, three minutes and I'm just barely, you know, stepping in. Like that's that's just <laughs> like time to let everything, you know, recognize that there's I water. know, right? You know, so You're I, intense. I, try to, I try to do that. It's a habit I cultivated in college from the dorms because I did not want to be standing in there for too long. Yeah, that's very <laughs> so, good. You know, and plus I've always been kind of concerned about, about water. So I just try to do my part. So anyway. Okay. So what other things can you do to help the planet? One of the things that I do. Yes, we are, we are diverging. I make sure, you know, that whole, I'm not a vegetarian, but I do make sure to eat at least one meal um, a week that does not include uh, meat, especially red meat, because that's Mm -hmm. the worst worst. in terms of, you know, impact on the planet. So I do that. That's pretty awesome. It's, well, I don't know that it's pretty awesome. It'd be better if I was a vegetarian who only showered once a week. But I'm trying here, people. (laughs) And you guys compost, right? Yeah, we compost. Um, Yeah, we, um, we, what else do we do? We, um, what's the thing? Well, well, we're Americans, so we all have those those low flow toilet things. So that's Mm -hmm. good. I mean, yeah. if you're going to have a toilet that runs on water, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have rain barrels, so we catch water that we can use for, you know, outdoor stuff, uh, like watering the, the plants and stuff. We do oh, that. that's good. Yeah. You see, that's cool because you're, like, using what your current climate offers. Yeah. Yeah, so that's super cool. But I would love to have rain barrels. I would love to have like my own private compound because that's how I roll people. Yeah. Well, and have like rain barrels in a garden. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't need uh, rain barrels in your own private compound. You would need like 
a very, <laughs> very large system. Like those. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I'm totally uh, moving to your compound when you get it set up, by the way. Sweet. Yeah, you guys can come in. That's all right. Thank you. Down, we'll, down with that. We'll bring our I'm, stockpile of weaponry. <laughs> hell yes. That's, fuck yeah. Come on down. We'll have our own private compound, everybody, and it'll be awesome and festive. Can we call it Tristane in honor of Kate uh, Culpepper? We will totally call it that. Yeah, there you go. I'm in. Fuck yeah, we're doing this, people. We should start a start a GoFundMe. <laughs> oh, I'm so down for that. If you sign up, I'll donate. You know, I don't Be know. like, please find Andy and Joe's compound. All right. Yeah. All right, friends. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. On uh, February eighth, uh, Sam Liddell joined us, and this was a really good blog about how. You know, and Sam's a writer, and so how she kind of collects words. You know, there are certain quotes and things that stick with her, and so she she like keeps that stuff. She writes it down. Um, she loves the power that words have. I love how I can be moved to tears or laughter by letters smooshed together and strung side by side to create a phrase that makes my brain sit up and go, "Whoa!" So yeah. she started to keep a book of quotes when she was in college, and she would collect as many as she could as often as possible. The words came from books. But if I heard something that I liked from a TV show or a movie, I'd write it down. Song lyrics weren't off limits either. If it made me take pause, it went into the book. And it's fun to go back and look at stuff like that because I used to be, I used to journal all the fucking time. And I still have those journals from when I was in college and grad school. And they're like the stupidest, most angst-ridden bullshit ever. But <laughs> anyway... She went back and looked at some of her journals and says, the me from 10 plus years ago was drawn to 90% angst-ridden, love-obsessed phrases nice. and 10% Kelly Clarkson song lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Jesus true. Christ. The quotes range from melodramatic musings, been there, to quoting an author who must have been the book of the week for one of my lit classes. Nice. Uh, and But she makes a good point here. Something she noticed looking through her book of quotes is that there was not a great deal from LGBTQ plus writers. That is, that is tragic. Right. And she's her question is, why was that? Is it because LGBTQ plus lit wasn't really a thing in 19th and 20th century literature? Those bursting to the brim with love letters from historical figures not included. Any work containing diverse characters certainly wasn't on my middle school summer reading list. Yet even lately, I have hardly written down a quote from a book by an author telling a queer story. So I would argue, Sam, that this is because you were educated in the canon, which is largely white and male. Mm -hmm. And so it takes a while to retrain your brain to look for other things. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just, you know, just start retraining. So here's my question. What qualifies as... Well, as meeting her, her, her bar, her standard for being a queer, you know, a quote from a queer author, or a queer, queer fiction. Yeah. Like, is, does it, does it have to be, does the content have to be queer or can it just be something that's written by a queer author? For example, the thing that this brought to mind for me was <laughs> mm -hmm. Langston Hughes, um, the Negro Speaks of right, Rivers, exactly. you know, this song, this poem. Exactly. Good point. It's beautiful. But nothing about that talks about. Queer. Right. Right. But it's. Nothing it's, about the story is necessarily queer. Yeah. But it's gorgeous. 
mm-hmm. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It, it just references to like racism a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. race issues, mm-hmm. but it's nothing's queer, but it's Langston Hughes, right? Or what about... Um, or, Joe, we could probably argue that there's subtext in there, maybe, that we're not catching. Yeah, You probably. know, because when he was writing, perceptions about queerness were very, very different, and laws were, were slightly different. We're getting worse now, but whatever, that's another discussion. But so maybe we're just not catching the subtext. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, as somebody who's really, really given that poem some thought, I'd love to hear your th- what what you've what you've concluded what yeah, what subtext awesome. are we missing so it's beautiful i mm-hmm. think i have a i have on one arm i have the first four lines of the auguries of innocence from william blake but i really mm-hmm. think i need to pick some part of this poem out and it mm-hmm. needs to go somewhere on my body i think that's a good idea yeah it's right beautiful. on so beautiful but you know, Sam says that her idea of a moving or powerful or beautiful quote is obviously subjective. Yes. She says, I'm drawn to flowery language, strong metaphorical imagery, and almost lyrical words. Does the fact that we don't speak and write the way we once did factor into what I deem worthy of my book? So she's owning the fact that, you know, this is a subjective thing, and she's trying to figure out what is it that I like, and why am I not picking up on this other stuff? So good introspection, Sam. Kudos. Nicely done. And it goes to bias. Yeah. She puts out a call. What do you think? Who or what am I missing? What books have featured lines that floor you on impact? And she'd love to know what some of our favorite quotes are. So I'm going to like do that later on today after I do everything. Put some stuff in the comments. So yeah. But uh, but I need to know is it, is are we limited? Does it have to be queer content or no, it doesn't. Queer authors. It just says, she just says, what books have featured lines that floor you on impact? Okay. I'm 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 gonna play this game too. Oh, good fun. Yeah, I mean Erin Saluda chimed in and she's got a Melissa Braden quote. And yeah, I mean, you know, what books have you like read recently or you know, that have just stuck with you and you know, go and throw a quote in there for her with the author and the work and I think that's fun. That'll be a fun thing to do. You know what's really interesting to me, mm. though, is authors what? that are really, really quotable aren't necessarily fun to read. Dickens is incredibly True. quotable. Incredibly <laughs> quotable. Uh, just an absolute slog fest to read. But Oh, my God. You're so right. Brilliantly quotable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, Joe. Do you got anything else we need to remind people of? Or Oh, let's just remind people that if you are interested in going to the Golden Crown Literary Society meetings in July, they are in Pittsburgh this year. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, you need to, like, get your registration in. You need to sign, get, you know, your hotel lined up. You need to, like, take care of that ASAP or the rates slightly go up on the registration. So uh, it's goldencrown.org, all right? So get that taken care of because it's, it's you know, giant well, not giant. It's getting bigger, though. It's like five or 600 people sometimes. In Pittsburgh, they may draw some more, but it's a great uh, female-female fiction conference with authors and, you know, all kinds of fun activities. So we hope you give it a give it a think and go. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And it's it's such a cool organization because they 
they recognize that the world is evolving and so therefore they need to be evolving. And so they're constantly evaluating the content and the, and the services they provide and, and, and decide, and, you know, and adding to and taking away mm-hmm. based on, on what is necessary. And I respect the fuck out of that. Same. Plus mm-hmm. they offer lots of great resources for writers, like yeah. their writing academy for people who are interested in learning how to write female, female fiction or queer fiction in general. So yeah, and every yeah. single person who participates in, you know, the the Golden Crown, like the the board members and the the whatever, they are all so deeply passionate about about fiction in general, but specifically about you know queer fiction. And it's so wonderful to see that. Like they're just, mm-hmm. it's ah, uh, it's an excellent group of people. Damn it, damn it. So if you are able, please consider that as a possible venue to. Have to just go and hang out and meet some people, network, and have some fun. Yeah. All right. That that was the, my one announcement. Yeah. I don't have any announcements. Okay. I mean, I <laughs> could make something up if you needed me to, but no. I don't think that random lies count as announcements. I think they just count no. as they you know smokescreen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway, yeah. Uh, dear listener, this has been another weekend review for Women <laughs> in Words. I am Joe Fell here with Andy Marquette. You can find us online at womenwords.org. Uh, please like, subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating. Do all of those things in any combination that you want. Help the other lesbians of the internet to find us. And until next week, thanks for listening. <laughs>